Listener Production. Have you heard of developmental language disorder? Developmental language disorder refers to a developmental disorder where children um, experience difficulties using and understanding spoken language, even though they might have had a language-rich home and lots of exposure to books. Today on Feed, Play, Love, the most common learning disorder you've never heard of. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Imagine not being able to find the word you want to when trying to explain something or having trouble reading or telling a story in sequence. That's the reality for children with Developmental Language Disorder, or DLD. Kids with DLD find it harder to express themselves and understand others, and they often struggle in the classroom, in part due to misdiagnosis and a lack of awareness. Now, researchers at Queensland University of Technology are trying to raise awareness of DLD to help teachers support students with the disorder. Hayley Tancredi is a Senior Research Assistant at the Queensland University of Technology. Hi Hayley, welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Hi, thank you for having me. When did Developmental Language Disorder, or DLD, first emerge as a term? That's a great question. Since around 2017, um, Developmental Language Disorder has been the term that's been used in the research literature and also by clinicians um, to describe what was previously known by lots of different terms. So lots of different terms such as specific language impairment, language learning impairment, language disorder were all kind of used, I guess they were used interchangeably. Um, And Professor Bishop led work that commenced in about 2015 to reach consensus on terminology, but also to reach consensus on what the the characteristics of DLD were to help, um, you know, really raise awareness of what this neurodevelopmental disorder is, how it might present um, in young children, but also in primary and high school age children and adults, and to really support that awareness in understanding DLD and how to support students who experience these difficulties. It does sound like something that would be quite difficult to pick up because it sounds like it could be a number of things. How were you able to discern that this was actually a disorder of a specific kind? So I, I certainly wouldn't proclaim to be the one to have made <laughs> to come to that consensus, which is, um, I guess, why Professor Bishop led the work in such a way that she had this kind of consortium of experts. So she drew on the expertise of um, research professors and others from around the world to, um, as I said, come to consensus around diagnostic criteria and presenting characteristics. Um, I guess what's really important about DLD is that it is the diagnosis that might be given when language difficulties are in the absence of other things like a hearing impairment or a coexisting diagnosis of um, autism or, you know, um, Down syndrome, for example. So for some children, they might have language difficulties, but they are in conjunction with something else. And in that way, the term language disorder is often used. But DLD is when there is that absence of other possible contributions. Kids may have coexisting diagnoses like ADHD. Um, In my research, I've certainly been interested in students who um, experience 
experience both language and attentional difficulties. Um, but DLD really, I guess, speaks to this group of students who have been really poorly recognised um, and Though we know the prevalence is around 7% of the population or two students in every class of 30, um, the diagnostic rates and the identification rates are far lower. So talk to me about um, how a child might present with DLD and the sorts of challenges they, that would bring up in the classroom. So um, for lots of children, um, we might find that there are subtle insights into the kinds of difficulties that they experience. So for a small child, they may, you know, have difficulty explaining a little story or telling their mum or dad or teacher a little story. They might need lots of questions from the adult to really help them sequence their ideas and come up with the right words to explain the ideas that they have. Um, we might often find that for these students that when those questions are there or when there's a, a routine that they can follow, they have much more success in sharing their ideas through language. But when there's not a routine or when we ask them to follow a direction that's a bit out of what would they would usually expect, they can become quite confused or they might not know what to do or they might look to their peers for that help. Um, for lots of children, they, they actually um, manage some of what, you know, could be quite frustrating. They manage these things quite well. And part of that, I guess, is that as humans, we're really socialised to um, do the best that we can and to try and kind of fit in with the group. But for some kids, they may have externalising behaviours. So they might, um, you know, they might get really easily frustrated and they might turn to, um, you know, being upset or, um, you know, displaying what we might describe as challenging behaviours. But that's not always the case. Um, certainly in my research that we have seen lots of children who really do try really hard to kind of go under the radar. Um, and in part, that's probably because they're so used to the difficulties that they experience, not realising that that's different for other people who find language some, as something that comes very easily. And I'm imagining that if, if that's what you're facing day to day, that that could have a big impact on how quickly you learn to read or how you form friendships. Is that where you're seeing the impact of something like this? Yeah, so what we often see is that students may kind of manage the difficulties that they're experiencing quite well in the early childhood years. Not That's not always the case, but sometimes it certainly is. But by kind of grade three or even grade four, where we do see that shift from um, learning to read to reading to learn, we often um, some more red flags might emerge. So often children with underlying language difficulties will have more difficulty in learning to read. And that can be about learning, you know, the correspondences between sounds and letters, um, having enough vocabulary knowledge to be able to comprehend the little texts that they're reading. And that's particularly so for texts that maybe, um, you know, don't have lots of insight through the pictures. If once we start moving towards more informational texts, um, when kids are having difficulty comprehending those kinds of texts, it can be a bit of an insight sometimes into an underlying language difficulty or disorder. So when our kids are at primary school, whether it's kindergarten, year one, year two, wherever they might be at, mm. Um, mm. I think parents can be involved with their children's learning through their readers, etc. But often we do look to our teachers to pick up on 
these kinds of challenges. You mentioned there that there's um, research points to two students in every 30 having DLD, but so many of us have not even heard of it. Is there Mm. a lack of awareness in the teaching community as well as the parenting community about this disorder? Yeah, there definitely is. So um, so some research that was conducted here in Queensland, led by my colleague, um, Jadine Glasby, she um, did a project in the last few years looking at um, what teachers know about developmental language disorder um, and, you know, looking at mismatches between the kinds of knowledge that they might have and um, their ability to identify the supports that a student might um, re- require in the classroom. And it definitely pointed to the fact that um, yeah, teachers don't always um, have this knowledge and that part of the work that we're leading through the Centre for Inclusive Education is trying to support awareness raising around what DLD is and how it can be supported in the classroom. I think one thing I'm really aware of is that, um, you know, while there can be benefits to having um, identification of students with language difficulties or disorder, where you know, that's not necessarily the solution because, you know, we've seen through other groups of students like kids with um, ADHD, for example, and even sometimes students on the autism spectrum. While we might know what's um, you know going on with that student, that doesn't always translate into the right kinds of support being made available. And a lot of the supports that can be provided in a classroom for a child with DLD, like being really aware of providing clear instructions and you know building in you know gentle pauses in in the classroom instructional language to give kids time to comprehend what's been said. Um, and really specifically checking comprehension through clear questions rather than just saying, does everyone understand and moving on, really asking really insightful questions um, and not complex questions, but ones that are really going to target the teaching episode to make sure that we've we've got children's comprehension and that they're staying on track. Those kinds of um, strategies can actually be deployed to a whole class and they're things that are going to help um, a number of students in that classroom. So not just kids with maybe DLD or language or attentional difficulties, but also students who, um, you know, are maybe English language learners or students who, like I said, are on the autism spectrum. Some of those strategies will help lots of kids. So I think that's our goal of awareness raising um, isn't always just to, you know, point to these kids because we don't necessarily want to do that. We really want to raise awareness about the kinds of support that can be beneficial for lots of students. Those are some things that teachers can do to help kids with DLD understand, comprehend better. But are there effective means of intervention for kids with DLD? Are there ways of um, helping resolve the disorder or is it something that cannot be resolved that way? Sure. Um, So definitely speech pathology interventions can um, support students. What we do know is that DLD is lifelong. So there will be things that students will experience over time um, that will continue to be difficult for them. But interventions certainly can help to um, teach the kinds of language that is important for the the child's age and stage. Um, Curriculum focused interventions that might happen either through the school or in collaboration between the teacher and the speech pathologist and the family and the child can really help make sure that the right kinds of language is focused on. So 
building up academic vocabulary, um, you know, support with reading, that kind of thing. So there's certainly a place for interventions, um, but we are aware too that, you know, it can be tricky for parents to connect with interventions. And so having a collaborative approach between families and school and any external support providers is really important as well. Um, but I think too, it's, it's a good thing for parents to know, you know, what the options definitely are. And the Speech Pathology Australia website um, has some nice resources, including information about milestones for communication. So it does look at language. It also looks at um, speech milestones and other communication milestones. Um, and if families are interested in um, talking to a speech pathologist and, and you know, continuing in that, that direction, you can um, find the name and details of speech pathologists who are local to where you live. Um, and for little children, I think talking to an early childhood nurse is always, or your GP, is, is another really great place to start. Um, early childhood nurses often have a really strong understanding of developmental milestones and can help give advice about, you know, whether it's worth um, pursuing some, some more information. Um, I would say, though, that in the past, there'd kind of been a bit of a wait and see approach with regards to language. But we would say now if parents are concerned and that they've they've seen that there's difficulties that are the new continuing to arise over a couple of months, it is worth talking to somebody for some extra advice. So when you say um, talk to someone for extra advice, if, if someone's listening to this and, and thinks, hmm, there's a couple of points there that really resonate with me and my child or this other child that I know. Um, mm. I, would it be fair to assume that not every speech pathologist will know about DLD? Like, is there a way of knowing you're going to the right specialist who has the right understanding of DLD in particular? Yeah. So I would say, um, so the, the Speech Pathology Australia website, the Find a Speech Pathologist tool, um, you can actually filter on there by different areas of people's professional practice. So you certainly want to find somebody who has experience with working with young children or school-aged children. Um, and you can do some, some filters there around language as a focus. Uh, in terms of um, clinician awareness of DLD, people working in the space, um, certainly in the last few years, have had a, an astronomical kind of um, increase in um, knowledge about this using this term. I guess for us, it probably describes um, a, a cluster of difficulties that we've known about for a long time. It's now that we've just got this kind of consistency, which is really helpful. Um, but yeah, I think to, I would say, I would caution that for families, if they do, if their first port of call is with their general practitioner and maybe even with an early childhood nurse, the term DLD may not be um, familiar to that person. So it is, you know, an ongoing awareness raising um, exercise, but Certainly describing, you know, difficulties with, with comprehension and expression through language um, and, you know, even like for a, a child in preble grade one, some early reading, um, signs of early read, reading difficulty will certainly point to the kinds of difficulties associated with DLD. Hayley, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That was Hayley Tancredi. She's a Senior Research Assistant at the Queensland University of Technology and a Certified Practicing Speech Pathologist. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app. 
And don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.